Savage. Austin Jackson back looks up. You can put it on the board. Yeah. Tame center for Kane. He scores. Oh, Patrick Kane set up by Jonathan Tame. The dynamic duo comes through in overtime. Hawk wins. Looking. Finds Rose. Rose trying to get open. Fires away. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Cloudgate Sports. We have had our first mishap uh, with audio. It has been a while, so I'm glad that it has did not happen sooner. We got this episode out to you guys after the Packers game. We're going to unpack some stuff. Definitely a rough week for the Bears. White Sox got some news. Cubbies got some big news coming tomorrow with Chris Bryant possibly being non-tendered, which would then make him a free agent. Got some Blackhawks news, and a lot is starting to happen in the NBA with only 20 days left until the season begins. We're going to touch on college sports again. College basketball is in full swing. The Big Ten is looking awesome. PT's Illini is absolutely amazing. So we're going to start with PT. Just take it away with the Bears. We're just going to get right into the pain, right into the suffering. Let's get it going. Um, you know, and the funny thing is, is I was literally talking to my dad before the game real quick, and I'm like, I'm not going to let the Bears get my hopes up and crush them. And they had the run, as Big Cat would call, and my hopes got up a little too high, and they got crushed. Um, not good. Not good at all. Um, and I don't think this is, this was a game that I think um, plays on many steps here for the Bears. Not only did this affect the end of the season, I'm going to be honest with you, boys. This was kind of an insight to what it's going to look like for a couple of years. I hate to say it, and I hate to be like this, but this is the first time we've ever seen, one, our defense give up like that, um, and two, that we just have – our coaching staff is – they're abysmal. Um, and then we're, we're looking at the Ryan Pace's job is safe. We're starting to fall into this Jerry Reinsdorf head spin of oh, my, my coaches and my GMs are safe. Um, it's just not looking good, boys. And this was the first time, too, where I was embarrassed to be a Chicago Bears fan. I, you know, we talk about all Chicago sports here, and I'm very prideful in every single sport for Chicago. But when it comes to Chicago Bears, I will, I will put my head out there for them every single day. And the fact that they just that we went out on Sunday night and played our rivals of uh, Green Bay and got our dicks handed to us. Man, it, it hurts to talk about because I kind of got over it and kind of forgot about it and then we had to circle <laughs> right back around. Man, it stinks. It stinks. But let's just hear you guys' thoughts, man. Let's not even really think about the game. What, what is this What is this playing on you guys? Like? Dude, what the fuck? That, that's all I've got to say is what the fuck. It was brutal. I mean, just from the opening snap... And like you said with the run, David Montgomery, I was like, oh, the run game's going to get going. We're going to get some good yardage. And then that just went down the barrel right away. 
Uh, the real, when it really started to set in that the Bears were done, Mitch is picking the end zone. I remember he, he stepped back, was ready to just launch it. He let it go. I stood up from my chair. I was like, oh shit, here we go. Perfect pass to the wrong guy. Perfect pass. And just from that point on, it was downhill. The defense just opened the first snap of the game. They were done. They they were not in it today, or well, a couple days ago now. They weren't in it. They looked terrible. The time of possession, I know I've been harping on that all year. <laughs> it's not even like a talking point anymore just because of how bad it's been. It was absolutely terrible. Realistically, the final score was 41-10. to 10. I, I, I get that they scored two garbage touchdowns at the end, but it's just, it, it was a terrible game. And if, if it was me, the whole coaching staff would be gone yesterday. But obviously, that's not going to happen with Chicago Bears. Like PT said, they're starting to get into that loyalty, just how Jerry Reinsdorf is. I, I'm scared about next year and the next two years because I think we have a lot of opportunity to shorten this rebuild phase if we can let go of a couple pieces. Uh, we could get into those couple pieces when the season really starts to come down to an end. Or even if we're ready to completely blow it up, which I, I don't know about you boys, but I'm at that point completely. Uh, we don't have a quarterback. We don't have a good general manager. Our coach is absolute dog shit. The, here's a fact for you boys. 0-6 the last six years after bye weeks. That is terrible. It, as an NFL coach, of course we had John Fox, who, I mean, <laughs> we can't say much about John Fox. But Matt Nagy, who was, who's been in football, who is an offensive coordinator with the Chiefs under Andy Reid, to ha- go 0-3 in your first three years as a coach after a bye week, when you have time to prepare, especially this year with the Green Bay Packers, you had time to prepare, prepare for your arch rivals. And this was a make-or-break game for the Chicago Bears. From now on, this season is lost after that game with the Packers. Like we said, well, I guess it's not really known now because of the lost recording, but when we recorded, I said I could get up for one more Bears game, and Matt Nagy did not get up for this Packers game. It was they, – they stayed down – opening kickoff just down it was terrible and you're right pt this is the first time that i am embarrassed to have watched that team and have having to root them on it was absolutely embarrassing pat go ahead before i can keep uh, rambling yeah man i mean you guys have hit so many points and i want to collect my thoughts here um It sucked, and and I, I really blame myself because I got so hyped for this game, man. I mean, you guys know how much I ride Mitch. Mitch is my guy. I'm like, holy shit, we have a chance of actually beating this team. We have two weeks to prepare. I saw that pregame speech by Mitch all over Twitter, dude, and I was ready to run through a brick wall. I was so hyped. And uh, <clears throat> tough, you know, tough first go on defense. You know, we couldn't get anything. We couldn't get really great get any traction. We had the Packers like third and seven on that first drive. I'm like, this is it. We need to stop them right here, get the ball in our hands. And uh, <clears throat> it just couldn't happen. And and the run, I mean, even outside of the run, the Bears, I don't think, looked that bad those first couple drives offensively. They were moving the ball downfield. Um, but obviously that didn't happen. It's, it was a tough pill to swallow for me because of how much of a missed person I am. And I had a lot of my friends call me out, like me trying to talk myself into Mitch having a good game. 
the way Pat, like your bias is really starting to show here. Like you need to realize he's not our guy anymore, and he's not. <clears throat> I mean, obviously, boys, Nagy will be our head coach next year. Ryan Pace is going to be our GM next year, and we are going to see a second coming of the Reinsdorf family when it comes to the Chicago Bears football. McCaskies Fuck are very Pat, come on. I'm being realistic with you guys. Like, I know. It's, it's a tough way to go. The McCaskies are really starting to look like the Reinsdorfs right now. And I was talking to some of my friends. I'm like, I mean, I hate to fucking say this, but I'm going to say it. The Bears aren't going to do anything until the McCaskies are gone. The Bulls aren't going to do anything until Reinsdorf is gone. And I hate to fucking say this, Brandon. And PT, I don't think the socks Sox scare me a lot because Ryan Storr is at the helm, and we see that a lot right now with the Larusa shit. The only two teams I feel semi good about is is Ricketts owning the the Cubs and and Rocky owning the the Blackhawks. I'm a little bit iffy on the Blackhawks. It's just it sucks, man. It really fuck does. And you know, it's it's. I think those are gonna be our guys next year, Mitch. He, I think he probably should start the rest of the way. I don't fucking know anymore. If anything, to make me happy, give me get rid of fucking Nick Foles, get rid of Tyler Bray, get rid of everybody. Sign Mitch to a cheap deal. Let him be our backup quarterback. He'd be a hell of a backup quarterback. I'll fucking take him for a backup. Um, I'm not sure if you guys saw they were already releasing projections for quarterbacks for next year's draft. <clears throat> Bears are slotted at 16. We're looking to get Trey Lance, who I know very well because he's a Missouri Valley guy, North Dakota State, absolute powerhouse in the Missouri Valley football. Um, you know, he would be our next guy in line. But I'll be able to realize you, I don't see any real change. And PTU said it, it's going to be a rough couple years. Like we're going back to to like Mark Trestman year with the Bears coming up soon. It's a dark, dark path ahead of us. Very dark path indeed. Yeah. Uh, uh, just terrible. That's terrible. It's scary. It's scary. Um, so there's a couple other points. So where do we go from here? Um, you know, uh, it's tanking time, boys. We gotta get the best. Blow it possible. the fuck up, yeah. But do you see our schedule? Uh, this like, is like, oh, they're gonna oh, that Green Bay Packers game to end the season. We're we're gonna be we're gonna be one win away. The win's gonna we're either gonna get into the playoffs or we're gonna miss it. And Aaron Rodgers is gonna absolutely undress our defense. Like what we got, we have the Texans, we have Jags. The Texans are fucked even more. Will Fuller just got suspended. The Jags have are their only good. Their only good aspect of the Jags is the running back James Robinson. Shout out ISU guy, undrafted rookie, yes. third rushing all time or in the league right now. Uh, I think we have the Lions one more time too. Yeah. We have another, and then with the Packers do like I'm knowing the Bears and how fuck Chicago sports is, we are going to win three more games this season. And completely fuck ourselves when it comes to the draft. Oh yeah, yeah. It happens. It happens every year. We, we we say we're tanking. We're looking for a better spot, and we go out. And we try to win a game, and we're like, "What are we doing? Like, we, there's no we're, there's no need to win here." Um. So next next uh one two three four five six games: Lions, Texans, Vikings, Jags, Packs. So I mean, and that was the other thing too. If we won this game, we had a real shot of winning the division here. I mean, our schedule is was is pretty soft at the end of the year. It sucks. It sucks. And so another thing too, um, Mitch was playing for his money next year and his start in his job wherever wherever he lands. Because I don't know if he'll end up back on the Bears. I don't see that happening. Um, but I don't think he he helped out his uh, helped out his chances at all. Um, so then what else do we move on from tanking? Um, do we bring in a new coach? But I don't know. You know, we we, all, we hear all these rumors about how everyone's job's safe and how Nagy doesn't feel that his job's in jeopardy at all. Um, 
So, you know, it's, 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 it's interesting. But, you know, then when we saw something, too, with Chicago sports, McDonough said that his job was safe, and he got kicked out, too. So I, anything can happen. We'll keep on looking, keep a close eye on that. I don't think anything's going to happen right now. Um, and then A-Rob. Man, we had that ad, man. I, I don't think – and after, especially after the game, I don't know if you guys followed his tweets. Oh, yeah. I, I was going to bring that up. Was, yeah. He was digging for all those negative tweets, and he responded to every single one of them. And then he said, keep that negative energy when it comes full circle. It's not looking good because his body language is just not there. He does not look like he wants to be. There is a 0% chance he comes back next year. Absolutely zero. So I I think there's a 10% chance. So the Bears haven't used their franchise tag since they used it on Kyle Long in like 2016 or something. So if they really want to be – an asshole and really kind of stick it to him. They put that franchise tag on him. He gets his money. He's stuck in Chicago for another year and see what happens with that. Um, but, you know, I think those are all kind of the talking points for the Bears right now. Um, we'll see what happens next week because I think that will be kind of our tell to see if we're tanking, um, where the coaches stand, and all that other stuff. So you guys got anything else on the Bears before we switch it over? I do want to talk about Mitch for a second uh, with Pat's idea that he could possibly come back next year as a backup or if we're just saying fuck it, he's going to start next year and absolutely ruin everything that could possibly be good. Uh, I, I'm I still like Mitch. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. But once he gets off that bus and steps onto the field, it's it's gone. It's yep. it's absolutely yep. gone. He's a great guy. That's on the bus. Once he steps off, it's it's gone. Like the pregame speech, absolutely electric. Didn't show anything. And I think that's why Pace was so kind of honed in on him, too, when they were drafting him is because he's the perfect guy on paper, the perfect guy in that room when you're talking to him, perfect guy reading film. But it just hasn't seemed to translate. And, you know, and, you know that kills me, too, because I know it kills Pat and kills everyone else in this room. And, it, and I guess another point, too, I've never seen if a fan base back someone up so quickly after bashing him earlier in the year and then come back and yeah. just rally behind him. It was it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. Yeah, uh, but with how quickly Nagy – if Nagy has a voice in what they do next year for quarterbacks, the way that he pulled the plug so quickly on Mitch, I just don't see him being okay with Mitch coming back next year. And I think Pace needs to just move on because obviously Mitch didn't work out with the Bears – just, t- just time to move on. I-, I love Mitch, and I hope he does have a solid career. I just don't see him having a solid career with the Chicago Bears. And I want to touch about this because I, I didn't know about this until I was listening to the Redline Radio postgame show. Oh, okay, first, um, A-Rob, anybody who's saying don't re-sign him because he dropped that first touchdown pass, you can go fuck yourself. I saw a lot of that on Twitter. I had friends attack me saying, forget it. He can't make contested catches. Dude, go pound sand. That dude is the only, like, bright spot of our, like, basically our entire yeah. team. Oh, yeah. Hicks. So, if Allen wants to re-sign, if, if there are big changes, and that's why I think Allen can re-sign. If there's a big shakeup in the front office, Allen will definitely want to come back. I feel like he loves the guys on this team. Like, literally, if we just, you know, I hate to say this, get rid of Mitch, tighten up the offensive line, and revamp the front office i think anybody would want to come to the bears at that point okay outside of that pt i don't know if you've heard of this and you're a lot better with like days than or like dates than i am on post the post game show for redline radio 
Mitch was drafted under John Fox, correct? Yes, correct. So there was a Tribune article apparently that Pace, when he was in the process of drafting Mitch, he already had written off John Fox. So he literally went to Fox and was like, I'm not going to take any of your opinions about us drafting a quarterback and completely vacated Fox's opinions. Even though Fox had a horrible time here in Chicago, everybody Mm -hmm. will say that he's still a legendary coach in the NFL, won a Super Bowl. Is it kind of like a Larusa situation, you know, and Pace threw all his opinions out the window. And this is true too. Fox was advocating for Deshaun Watson and he Pace said, fuck you. I'm doing what I want to do. We're moving on. We're going to fire you next year. Anyways, I don't care what you have to do. You have no future of this team. I mean, like, just that goes back to this negative aura around front offices in Chicago. It's happening well, again, Pat. It, it, it is. It's happening and again. I never heard that story until I listened to the postgame show, and I think Chief said it. And I, it just made me sick to my stomach that that was, like, it's if if, if Larusa is on his way out of Chicago and everybody knows he's on his way out, Rick Hahn is definitely going to take his word and saying, like, hey, I know I'm on my way out. There's a dog of a kid coming out of this college or this high school. Trust me, he'll pay off in two or three years. I'd listen to him because he's won World Series as a Hall of Famer. John Fox has won a Super Bowl. Why the fuck would you not listen to him? And, like, and it, I, it goes back to the horrible graphic of us drafting Mitch over Deshaun and Mahomes. But, like, just he, I don't know if you guys have heard that story, but I just found out about this, and it, it's just gruesome to hear. It's gruesome. Yeah, I, I actually – I think I remember – if I can remember correctly, um, I, I'm pretty sure that – came out right when like this whole, that draft was happening is like when right. they drafted right. Mitch is it, it was it was clear that John Fox had no say in any of the draft picks um and you know I I think and so this is kind of started the whole circle to around Ryan Pace is everyone's like okay we kind of like this he want we want change we um want someone in there that doesn't really put up with anyone because I think everybody was on John Fox and kind of wanted a new change and now it's starting to bite us, in, bite us in our ass, and Ryan Pace is kind of in his own world right now, not listening to anybody. It's kind of just like, it's, it's just, you know, I think we need to rename this and just do it to the Chicago like way of just like fuck you, like we're gonna do our own shit and it's gonna be bad. It's gonna be bad. It, we it, think we're gonna take a risk and we're, we're gonna take the wrong risk. Mm-hmm, definitely. I, I mean, just everything is going down south and kind of going back with a Rob on Twitter. He he liked almost every negative thing that was put on Twitter. A couple other ones. Anthony Miller had the tweet that was yeah, saying that this not a good look. Not a good look at all. And he was also liking tweets that he should go to uh, different teams, just like A. Rob was. Also, this is interesting. Wims liked a tweet that said Chicago is where wide receivers go to die. So. Definitely. Brandon Marshall. Yeah, there's a lot of fucking wide receivers that have killed their careers here in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so another thing too is what I read is there, there's where the Nagy's was in the locker room too. So, this is just another example. Of- See, but then we have the Cordell Patterson who tweeted what a week or two ago that they're back in Nagy. I, I don't know, but I, I agree with you, PT. I feel like they lost him just because of the effort that was given uh, against the Packers. If you were back in your coach, you would go balls to the wall, especially against your arch rival, when you know that his job could be on the line. And they, they just didn't show up. And they, in my opinion, I agree with you, PT. They're not back in Nagy. 
But the fact that Cordero yeah. tweeted that, I mean, it, it's kind of up in the air. It's just even more confusion for Chicago sports. I mean, it's just all confusion. We never know what the next move is going to be for any Chicago team. I think he lost the locker room after... The only reason Nagy still had a positive vibe in that locker room was because of the defense. And I really think after that performance, and, and, and we've said it multiple times, every Chicago Bears fan will say this, Akeem Hicks is the most important person on this team. 1,000%. And, really, and it, we... It showed clearly this weekend that we we suck without him. And I'm not throwing shade. Wild Nichols, Brent Urban. Urban did a hell of a fucking job in that game, I feel like. Even if we have Eddie Goldman, we're still not going to no. be able to stop that team. A defense was the last straw for Nagy. And I think after that just debacle, I think he's fully out. But, dude, like, we say this, but I, 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 I have a bad feeling he's going to be our, our head coach next year. And I just think his pace is going to be too stubborn. And he's not going to listen to the players, and he's going to like listen. Matt's our guy, and it's just like it's it's. I th- if Maggie and Pace are are manning the helm next year, it's we're fucked for a long time. I'll leave it at that. Yes, I I feel like if Pace and Nagy are back next year, which I do agree, I, I think there's almost a certainty that they're going to be back next year. That we might start getting some Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown vibes from this team, and people are just not going to play. And they're going to demand trades. Uh, I, I did see uh, somewhere on Twitter, it was some Chicago sports writer, tweeted about how mad Khalil, Mil- Khalil Mack was after the Packers game and how he got up some guys' asses. So seeing him do that, that sh- throws another wrench into the whole if the defense is out or not. I, I just don't know. I'm so confused on what this team's going to do. And PT, you're right. We're going to see it next week. If the defense comes out and plays, then there might be still a glimmer of hope. I I, just, I don't want them to win only for the fact that I don't want to get dragged back in for a devastating loss mm. to the Packers at the end of the year. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, and I don't think, like, you know, there is a point where, like, you think, like, do I even want to watch them anymore this year? You know, it's just, like, it, it's sad. We keep on going back to it. It's disappointing. Um, it sucks, boys. It absolutely sucks. It sucks. No win it's since the beginning of October. Worse. That's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. Well, and so another thing too, like you said, if people start demanding trades, that's like that's like the one place we cannot get to as a Chicago Bears because I can't remember the last time Chicago Bears uh, Chicago Bears players requested a trade. Um, and if we get to that point. It's fucking bad, boys. <coughs> the only two I think of is, is I'm pretty sure Alshon and Brandon both demanded trades, and I think Martellus yeah. Bennett yeah. did as well. And and, and and those guys were good on the, the Bears. I'm not going to shun them or slander them by any means, but once they left Chicago, I mean, they, you didn't really hear from them again. I mean, so I agree we can't get to that point, but I feel like that point is around the corner. Yeah, and you know what? If we do go down the route of tanking and rebuilding – and if word starts getting out that players are demanding trades, we are not going to get the value that we deserve back because they know that if they don't trade them, they're just not going to play. So they're going to give the most small deals possible. I- I'm just, I- I- I'm curious. Right now, you guys, each of you answer. Blow it up or just see how it goes? Because I- I'm on the blow it up train. Yeah, I think... I don't want them to, but I feel like that's the only option, so I'm going to blow it up. 
Well, you know, I think I'd have to see what everything looks like. What are we blowing up? Who are we blowing up? Um, are we blowing up completely? Uh, is it just the front office? Is it personnel? I think we're um, gonna. I think if we want to go back to where we were in 2018, we're just gonna need to blow it up completely. Yeah. Because there's, I, I see no hope in this team. I guess we'll all just go on the blow it up side. Um, you know, maybe try to. I, I don't know, man. It sucks. It sucks. It sucks. It sucks. I'll say. I'll say this. Blow it up, but I still want. I want Hicks. I want Roquan, and I want Eddie and Kyle. Maybe Monty, and and I'm honestly fine leaving Cleo out, and and A Rob, I'm fine leaving him out too. I really, really like Hicks and Roquan and Eddie and Kyle are the, really the four. Hicks is Hicks's contract is up after next year, isn't it? I think it is. So I yeah. mean, if we don't ah, if we don't sign a Rob, we could somehow find money for Hicks. But it's gonna it's gonna be very interesting to see where this team. I wouldn't say at during this off season. I would say at the beginning or middle of next season because I feel like then we'll really know if they're gonna start pushing towards maybe giving another go or. Fuck it, we're blowing it up. Yo, how far, how long was that Robert Quinn deal? I don't know. I think it, what was it? It's three years, but we're we're getting robbed for the next three years. Oh my god! Isn't it seventy? I never. I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I never noticed him being that bad. But that was that game was pitiful. Every he was getting exposed on every play. Another thing too. Did we sign him to be a DB? At one point, this motherfucker was down the field covering a slot wide receiver. Like. I, that's what? a good. What? That's a really good touching point here because we're missing Akeem Hicks. I, I I really can't say many bad things about Chuck Pagano over the past year. It's really hard to find to nitpick areas, but when you're missing your star nose tackle, that's going to clog up the middle. For the love of God, either blitz Danny or Roquan, one of the two, to build pressure in the middle of the pocket. But if you're not going to do that, you can't let Khalil and Robert Quinn drop back into coverage because, one, they're not covered deep. Or, I mean, technically they're linebackers. We want a 3-4. They're, they're not good at covering zone-wise. And if we don't have Hicks and you're dropping those two back in coverage, Aaron you're Rod- I guess Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, you're fucked. Like the, the touchdown he threw, the first touchdown he threw, he had like six seconds clean in the pocket because he had no yeah. pressure whatsoever. You cannot – and Pagano, you need the blitz – you just swallow your pride and sense the pressure with the deep or the right or the linebackers we have, and for the love of God, stop, stop dropping Cleo Mack and Robert Quinn into coverage. And and you can't like and you can't expect the best cornerbacks and safeties in the league to cover for more than three to four seconds. So it's there's so many things that's wrong. I think I think we're all over talking about it right now. Um, we, I mean, we covered everything. Uh, we only take it over, move on. Bears fans, from the bottom of our hearts, we have no idea. We know how you're feeling. We know how you're feeling. Yes. So we're going to get right back into some more rough news with Chicago Light Sox. <laughs> <laughs> um, James McCann, uh, us Chicago White Sox fans absolutely love you, and you will always be a Chicago White Sox player in our heart. Cutest kids ever. Those His twin boys are the <laughs> are awesome. Yes, they're, they're definitely awesome. There are five teams interested in James McCann. Uh, the New York Yankees, the St. Louis Cardinals, the Angels, the White Sox, and the Phillies if they do not get JT Real Muto back. 
boys, the James McCann, he's gone. And I, I did see reports. We'll, we'll get back into James McCann a little bit, but we're going to focus on the White Sox for a second. That we might have Yadi Molina fill in that backup catching spot. And yes, it has been all over Twitter. I would like that a lot. Uh, I think he'd be a great fit as a backup. Uh, definitely would be a good vibe in the clubhouse. I, I think he just wants to give it one more go winning a ring because now that we get reports that the Cardinals are in on McCann, that obviously means that they don't really want to see Molina back. We're kind of getting uh, Albert Pulos vibe here where they're, they're not going to pay the money to get uh, Yadier Molina back. So, which means the White Sox are in search for a backup catcher. I, I like the fit of Yadier Molina. Good defensive guy. His bat's still there. I mean, the last couple seasons, he's got some pop. He's still got that clutch factor in him. He comes in. Uh, yeah, but back to James McCann. We'll, I, I saw Pat's face, so I'm interested to see his thoughts on Yadi Molina. But James McCann, uh, he, he's going to get paid. Uh, he's absolutely going to get paid. And if I was to predict, the Mets are already spending money with Trevor May. Uh, we'll get into the May deal because that's a big move for the White Sox, getting him out of the AL Central. But the Mets, their new owner, they, he wants to spend money. He's he's all over Twitter talking about it. He wants to make the Mets just as great as the New York Yankees. Uh, but if I were to guess, McCann is gone, and he's going to go to one of these NL East teams, either the Mets or the Phillies. So how, how do you guys feel about McCann? And you guys can touch on Yachty as well. First of all, Jay McCann deserves interest from every single team across um, every single league. He deserves it. He's amazing. He was great to us, and we just hope him the best. And then I had no idea about Yachty. Um, when you said that, I kind of was like, whoa, okay. Um, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I'd like to see some black and silver uh, Air Jordan gear on him, you know, behind the plates. That would be sick. The black and that white Air Jordan. Sick, so, you know. Yeah. And you made a really good point. He would he would mesh really good with our clubhouse. He would be the perfect player that would fit right in. So, you know, I don't hate it. I do not hate it. Yeah, I mean, I know the listeners can't see our faces, but me and the looks me and PT gave Brandon Rowney said Yachty's name. Like I was blindsided by that. Regardless, as I've said multiple times in previous episodes, James McCann earns every single penny he gets. Uh, whoever gets him, uh, you're, you're getting a fucking keeper, man. He's a hell of a guy uh, on the field, off the field. He's a great dude. For Yachty, uh, I mean, he was – LaRusso – I mean, Yachty was obviously on the Cardinals when LaRusso was coaching him, and they won that World Series in, like, what was it, 2011, 2012. So there's connections there. Um, I would have never thought that a LaRusso connection actually pay off right now, but I guess so. Uh, yeah, his bat – Brandon, you said his bat is still there. I mean, he could probably compete pretty well with what Yaz is putting up. I mean, Yaz didn't have the best offense season last year, so we'll see about that. And even, like, just having a guy like him in the clubhouse, you know, around young guys like Yo-Yo, Eloy, uh, Luis, um, oh, fuck, what's his name? Uh, oh, God, second baseman. I'm so bad with fucking Magical? Magical, yes. Like, being around those young guys yeah. is really good. Uh, potentially Vaughn as well. Burger if he ever finds his way up to the, the big leagues, too. I mean, there's a lot of positive to bring him into the clubhouse outside of, you know, having him as a backup catcher and having him as a bat. Um, that's a guy you want in your clubhouse. And I think he's got he's got that, that give-a-shit factor like Timmy does. I feel like him and Timmy would be able to mesh pretty well in the way they want to uh, 
to kind of attack it. And yeah, you're right. It's a it's a pool hole situation. He wants one more run at it. And I mean, Yachty's uh, and uh, he's a legend of the sport. And uh, you know, if he deserves one more, then. Maybe a connection with Russo actually pay off in the long run. Who knows? Yes, exactly. I was just about to say that. Who was his head coach all those years in uh, St. Louis? Tony Russo, make it happen. I, I would, lo- I would personally love that to have Yachty as a backup. Uh, possibly get some DH spots too. I do feel like we we're going to sign a better DH though. And that, and I can, that's another good point too. He could help the transition with all the other players in the clubhouse to kind of understand where Lewis was coming from, if he has something to say to some guys. So that's another big piece, too. It could just be another training wheel to put on LaRusa as we start this chapter of the LaRusa Cup. Yes, definitely. I, I'm very excited to see what happens with all the off-season things. Uh, we already talked about our off-season stuff, and Yadier Molina was not one of them, so you guys just see how the off-season can change quickly and names start getting thrown around. And probably, you know what, we're probably going to sign nobody. So, <laughs> just, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, but I do want to talk about somebody who did sign today. It was a good day. It's been a good last couple days in uh, with off-season transaction. We're finally starting to get some movement. Uh, some AL Central news. Mike Miner did sign with the Kansas City Royals. I think that's a great signing for the Royals. Uh, because, you know what? You know, he had, what, 200 Ks two seasons ago. See what you can get, and you know what? Just trade him at the deadline. See what you can get for him. Uh, the White Sox, we know we've been through that. Signing with all those bullpen arms the past couple years with Soria and all those good guys that we ended up just dealing off. Uh, but tr- the bigger news, probably the biggest news so far in the offseason, Trevor May going to the New York Mets. Huge for the White Sox. Trevor May was a very good relief pitcher uh, this season. And I hope he, I hope the best for him because Trevor May is a good guy. Uh, you guys have heard me call him the Fortnite guy throughout the episodes. So we hope him nothing but the best and hope he has a great Fortnite setup in New York. Uh, how do you guys feel about uh, these offseason moves with the AL Central? Mike Miner, good lefty, going to Kansas City. And Trevor May, a very dominant relief pitcher, going to New York. Yeah, but wasn't White Sox Dave? Ripping all over Miners, saying like, "Welcome to the Royals. Can't wait to." Yeah. Uh, yeah. I thought I saw something in that White Sox day. Yeah, Mike Miners getting up there, and we saw with Oakland this season that we uh, got to him pretty good. But you know what? It's just it's a good signing for the Royals who aren't going to do anything, and for a guy that just in this season was a weird season with COVID and everything. This year's performance for some of these free agents, a lot of teams are going to overlook. He had 200Ks two years ago with the Texas Rangers. So that's a that's a pretty big number for pitchers this year. Yeah. Uh, so if they could get that Mike Miner, then you know what? The Royals definitely found a steal. Seriously. And then Trevor May, like you say, great guy. I remember watching him play with Tim and Pat, man, all those guys, and Joe Fortnite. Great guy. Um, so we wish him the best of luck. Yeah, I, anybody, I mean... I, Trevor May, I fucking love that guy. I've been watching his streams for a while. He plays with a lot of the guys that I watch. Um, so he's a great dude. I wish him none the best. He's going to a good spot. The Mets are very a very bright future ahead of them in terms of their baseball opera- operations. That's super good to hear. Um, Mike Miner, how will pick up for the, the Royals? Our Royals obviously had a tough season last season with the 60-game uh, season, but you know they they got a they're looking like the Sox. They're building those small pieces going forward. And they'll pay off in the long run. I think the right now it's kind of the Sox 
Indians and Twins are kind of heading the uh, the a, the AL Central right now. But in the future, five six years from now, it's gonna be it's gonna be Detroit, KC, and I think the Sox are gonna be running. I think you're gonna see Cleveland and, and the Twins fall off. So uh, they definitely got a good pickup of Mike Miner. Yes, uh, you guys have heard me talk about Detroit. That is the one team that I'm really afraid of, uh, especially after hiring AJ Hinch. Uh, they've got a great farm system, and Detroit. You know what? They, they they're a really good baseball organization. Uh, they had that stellar uh, rotation uh, a couple years ago when they went to the World Series. So ho- hopefully that doesn't happen. But just keep your eyes on the Tigers, and we're gonna get some good Tigers White Sox baseball in the coming years. Uh, also, uh, White Sox announced their official coaching staff for next year, and boys minus Larusa who. He's a great coach. He's still kind of up in the air with the drunk driving uh, allegation. So we will talk about that in a little bit because we do have some news coming out with that. Uh, But just going through this uh, coaching staff, uh, bench coach, we have Miguel Cairo who played in the majors for a very long time. He's a very good baseball mind. Ethan Katz, who we touched on a little bit, uh, he's absolutely detrimental to how Good Lucas Giolito has gotten. Uh, he he's the guy that Giolito has been working with in the off seasons. Uh, assistant pitching coach Kurt Hassler, uh, hitting coach coming back. Uh, who I love. I love Frank Medicino. I think he has done a great job with the minors the last couple years. And last year had his first shot at the big leagues. Hitting coach. He did an awesome job. Howie Clark coming to be the assistant hitting coach. Uh, Daryl Boston. Gotta love Daryl Boston at first base. Gotta love him. Uh, his brother is also the first base coach for the Chicago Dogs. Uh, fun fact for you guys there. Uh, third base coach Joe McEwing. I've had my fair share of yelling at Joe McEwing throughout the last couple seasons. But, again, another good baseball mind. And then Shelly Duncan, the analytics coordinator. Just at, at, I love the coaching staff for this upcoming year. Uh, the only negative has been the news with Tony Larusa. We've heard enough negatives, so we're gonna kind of stay away from that. But now we're gonna go and do it anyways. So, but how do you guys feel about the Sox coaching staff? Uh, the first name I want to go see is to make sure that Daryl Boston was still on the coaching staff. Uh, that was my guy. He's a hoss. Every time you're there down the, the first base on you, you, you see him there. He's huge. He's just he's he's a great he's a great guy. Great great uh, guy to interact with the fans too. He he's done a great job on social media stuff too. He's just an awesome guy and uh, definitely a good coach for the White Sox. For sure, for sure. Um, and then also, I think Ethan Cass. I mean, it, it, you can't. I think he's literally going to take over the role of James McCann. He just won't be catching him. He'll just be sitting in that dugout, making sure that he's locked in and he needs everything that he needs to be successful. Yeah, I'm very excited with what we have going forward. Uh, I think we have a good – we really needed a strong base around La Russa with, with everything that's going around. And I remember, Brandon, me and you talking the, the horrible idea that if if uh, we find La Russa either suspended, whatever happens, like what's the chain of command of the coaches going forward? And I feel very confident if that situation does you know, come up, that we have we have a good we have good guys on the bench to be able to hold down the fort, and obviously Daryl Boston and Joe McEwing, White Sox legends. I mean, I I remember Daryl Boston being on the first baseline for as as long as I could possibly remember watching Sox games. So, absolute legend of the sport. Definitely. Uh, now with Larusso, we got some news coming in 
that he is changing his plea deal. Uh, so, Pat, you kind of touched on it, possible suspension. I haven't seen too much word about it, but you know what? I could see a suspension definitely happening. But it wouldn't be too long of a suspension. It'd probably be a couple games. And with the coaching staff we have, I'm fine with it. Uh, so I, I I know Pat already touched on La Russa. PT, do you have anything? No. I think we'll just we'll see what happens. Every day, you know? so we'll, yeah. He's got to sit down and enjoy the ride, I guess. Oh, yeah. We're enjoying it so much. So it's off-season time which means crazy trades are going to start being thrown about. Uh, we already talked about this in the Lost episode, but we're going to talk about it again. Uh, mock trades are one of my favorite things to do. I love throwing them together, and I love getting Pat's mind thinking, getting going, getting all hyped up. Just so you guys know, these mock trades are, are exactly what I said. They are mock trades. There are no rumors going around about these possible trades. Uh, the Cubs trade I did put together, though, with Chris Bryant uh, is an actual possibility. This one with the White Sox, just throwing it in the dark. And if it does happen, fucking fantastic. But I doubt it's going to happen. So for my first mock trade of the offseason, I have Nolan Arenado coming to the Chicago White Sox. The Rockies did try shopping him last offseason. Uh, the offers that they wanted, though, were absolutely ridiculous. So, it's just going to be the same this season. If they want to get rid of Arenado, they're going to get an absolute fucking haul. Uh, So, we're going to start off. Michael Kopech would be a piece that would be leaving uh, number 18 prospect in the MLB. Uh, I love Kopech. Uh, I would love to see him in a White Sox uniform. And again, mock trades. I'm not saying I hate these guys. I'm not saying I want them gone. But for this possible move to happen, I feel like these are the pieces that are going to be needed. Nick Madrigal, number 36 prospect. If we're trading for Arenado, Moncada would be moving back to second. Therefore, uh, we wouldn't need Madrigal anymore. Uh, so, And I think Madrigal would be a great piece for the Rockies too, looking at their lineup. Some other names. Micker Adolfo, who have actually, he's already been talked about as being the biggest trade piece for the White Sox this offseason. Uh, Zach Collins, who I just, I, I hate it because I love his swing. It gives me a Josh Hamilton vibe, and I loved Josh Hamilton's swing. But you know what? When you have a guy that was known as a top prospect, and you've had him bouncing up and down from the majors for two seasons, and you haven't really given him a shot, and we just signed Grandal, I, I just don't see a future here with Zach Collins. Ronaldo Lopez, I'm just sick and tired of talking about Ronaldo Lopez. I want him gone, and uh, I, maybe we could utilize him, in, utilize him in the bullpen. And then Gavin Sheets, uh, another really solid first base prospect for the White Sox, but obviously he's being trumped by Andrew Vaughn, who just looks like to be the next guy in command after Jose Abreu. So obviously I'm not a general manager, so how do you guys feel about this possible trade? Uh, of course, we would all love Nolan Arenado on the White Sox. So, how are you guys feeling about that possible mock trade? So, there's, there's a couple things. When you when you first hear it and you first listen to what were the first couple things that pop in your head. One, um, Kopech, you know, we haven't really given him a full chance. That he looked really good until he got hurt. Um, we traded a lot of way to get him. Um, is it worth it? So, I guess that's another look. And then you look into... Um, Mankata, we feel like is a, was a better fielder at third. 
Um, it it kind of kept, he was more attentive. He, he was more involved. Um, so moving to the second, does that kind of downplay uh, his offensive side as well, keeping him in the game? Um, so that's nothing to look at, I think. And then also, uh, you know, Madrigal too. Madrigal is a piece that I really like personally. But like you said, if, if you know, you know, I would love normal Alrado, Arenado. But if, if there's so many pieces in this prospect, do we want to give up everybody? Um, so, you know, it, it'll be interesting. I like I like when you come up with these mock drafts this morning because they get your – Definitely. They definitely get your mind going. How long is his deal? He's got like a six, seven-year deal, right? Six more. I think he's got six left. And he's cheap. For how good he is, yeah. he's cheap. Yeah, so that's that's my thing is is if this is like a one and done type deal. I, oh, absolutely I not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Um, six years is a long time. So, dude, you you want on this team? Uh, you know, PT said a Kopech. You say you know if you said his name before this season, I would have been like, no, no, I don't want to. I don't want to get rid of Kopech. But after the season, man, I'm very skeptical as to what he'll be when he comes back. If he comes back. So Kopech going doesn't really hurt me. If Raylo's on the block, get him the fuck out of here. I, you guys know I cannot stand him, so I don't care about Raylo at all. Um, Magical, I've kind of said my – I'm very iffy on Magical. I, I don't know what it is. Granted, this is his first big year up. It wasn't even like a full season either, so I probably should give him a little bit more of a chance. I've, I've slandered him a lot, though, in, in a couple episodes. I don't. I, I just don't like seeing Yo Yo leaving third base. I really don't. Yeah. Uh, that's my but then we thing. put a Platinum Glove Award winner at third. That's the thing. Right. Right. But then you don't know what you're doing by like. I'm basically. But you're right though, because Yo Yo is dog shit at second. Right, and like if if you're going out to second base, and you like you guys are baseball players. You guys are probably related to this. Like, if you're if you if you found your home at third base, and they're like, listen, we're gonna move you to second, and gonna bring somebody even better at third. That's going to fuck with your psyche. You're going to hate the position you're playing, which could translate into your batting performances. Uh-huh. That's where I think, you know, and just knowing Chicago sports, that would probably fucking happen. Oh, it would a hundred percent happen. Yeah. Um, I just like yo-yo two years, like pre COVID. He's a fucking dog, man. I just don't want to risk losing that. Like, yeah. losing that at I mean, bat, he so. was, he was a dog at the end of this season too. He started to find his way. Right, those triples he had towards the back end of the season were very like that brought back to old yo yo, which I love to see. He was kind of getting back in the groove of things. Um, so like I said, I, I props to you for being so aware of what's going on with our, our minor league system because that's that stuff's too confusing for me to understand. Uh, I know El Dorso is definitely on the on the block because obviously you're going to get into this in a second when we go to the Cubs. Um, I don't hate the trade. There's just a lot of what it's about it, but I do like the idea that it is a very long-term deal, so that, that makes it more viable, in my opinion. Yes, we're dreaming here, Pat. We're, we're dreaming. Right. <laughs> and another thing about Kopech, too. So you, you see he's out this year. He's kind of been going through some so-on, so so-called mental issues, and you're another team looking at a trade like this, and the other team throws in Michael Kopech. So he hasn't really established himself on his second team so far. He's kind of struggling to do that and to continue to do that. What do you think is going to happen when he goes to a third team and he has to establish himself? It's a lot of change for someone that's going through mental issues. I'm not a doctor, but I just know that that's definitely a very thing that people are going to be looking into. Um, so who knows what's going to happen with that? Who knows? Man, I remember thinking as a kid, you know, it's just baseball. Just once they get on the field, they're just playing baseball. But you know what? 
your IPT, there are a whole lot of factors that you have to put into every single move. It's it, it's crazy. It, it is crazy, and it it's what makes all these moves fun. It's what makes all these moves fun. So that does it with the south side. We're going to move to the north side where we have some very sad news. The, obviously, Theo has been gone for a little bit now. Uh, but now that Theo is gone, Cubs future, big question mark. Uh, do, are they going to blow it up? Uh, we've been talking a lot about blowing things up during this podcast. Uh, don't go home and blow anything up, please. Uh, but with the Cubs, they've got a shit ton of pieces. Uh, Barstool Carl said it, and I agree with him 100%. I've never seen a team that has these many pieces that can blow it up. And they have so many pieces. They got Rizzo, Contreras, Schwarber, Bryant. I mean, it's. I mean, we can even go into the pitching staff. Kyle Hendricks, you Darvish, uh, bullpen. They got Jeffress, who is absolutely fantastic this year. They could get something for him. I mean, if they really wanted to, they could tear this thing down to shreds, which I would not recommend doing completely because then you're going to lose a lot of fans uh, because they don't want to see that whole hundred year business happen again. Uh, I feel like. We are going towards the blowing up phase of the Chicago Cubs, but they're going to do it very minimally. Uh, I've given time and thought to what they might do. At the very beginning when Theo was gone, I was like, they're going to blow it the fuck up. They're going to just get rid of everybody. Uh, At this point, I don't see that happening, uh, mainly because I don't see Rizzo wearing a different jersey towards forever. I think he's going to be a Cub for the rest of his career. Uh, you, I can't say the same for guys like Chris Bryant, Wilson Contreras, or Schwarber. Uh, I could see those guys going elsewhere. And I think a guy like Schwarber, it depends on what happens with the NLDH. If, they, if they're going to keep it next year, I think there's a real chance that he's going to stay. But if they go back to the pitcher hitting, I think there's a real possibility that he's gone. Uh, so I, I don't see them blowing it up completely. But I think it is time because the Cubs do have such a poor farm system that it is time that they need to start replenishing that system. We saw it happen with the rebuilds throughout the years. Uh, Both the White Sox and Cubs were going through it uh, ever since their playoff appearance in 2008 uh, where they lost to the Brewers. They've kind of just blown it up and gotten prospects and gotten a lot of good prospects that got them a World Series championship. Obviously, that's a big thank you to Theo, who helped uh, with a whole lot of that stuff. So that just brings me to the point, uh, what what's next for the Cubs? Do they trade Chris Bryant, which we will, I have a mock trade for Chris Bryant, so we'll get into that. Uh, but what do you guys think? Like, are pieces going to start getting moved? Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Um, they obviously have to with their money problem right now. Um, I, I agree with you. I think Rizzo's going to stay. Um, he's their captain. He's their leader. I don't think they can get rid of that. Um, but like you said, they have so many pieces, not only offensive, defensive, uh, pitching staff, relief. It, it, it's it's They have all – I mean, it's ridiculous if you really think about it. They could be – I mean, if they really want – if they could do it right, they could be really good in the next, uh, I don't know, a good time frame. They would turn it around quick, probably four or five years. Like okay. be so really think, good again in like four so years. If they, if they if they believe that one they won't lose, like you said, their fan base, um, and two that 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 actually is a possibility, then I think one hundred percent they will 
do that. They will tear it down to shreds. For me, I'll say this: Jed or Theo Epstein is an absolute legend in the sport. He's been Hall of Famer for sure. Yeah, easily got the Red Sox World Series, got the Cubs World Series. Uh, Jed Hoyer, the Cubs, you guys are in good hands with Jed Hoyer. I, he's had the opportunity to st- like study underneath Theo Epstein for ten years or nine years, I should say. Um, and you definitely know that Theo's like, hey, you pay attention. You probably definitely nudge him, like, pay attention to this shit because at some point this is going to be you. Um, so the, you're in good hands. I'll say this: uh, there's only two, in my mind, there's only two people that are safe in a Cubs jersey, and that's Kyle Hendricks and Anthony Rizzo. I think everybody else is free, fair game. Uh, Schwarber, good point, bringing up the DH. If the DH comes to the NL, I think he'll stay. Javi, that's going to be a big person that can bring in a fucking haul of prospects. Like an all-time load. Like, I mean, it it would be ridiculous. It would be better than Francisco Lindor's load for sure because Frankie only has one year left. Right. Uh, So Javi's definitely your your person that – I don't be surprised if he's gone. Chris Bryant's. I think he's good as gone. Yeah, I, I don't know. I know we talked about it in the last episode. We'll get into it about the tendering <laughs> yeah. and shit like that. Um, I mean, even look at like guys like like uh, Jeremy Jeffers or uh, David Bodie or Wilson Contreras. Those three guys are like finishing touches type people for teams. Like guys going to Tampa, they're going to the Dodgers, going to the White Sox. Like those teams that are right on the cusp, those are guys that are going to go to those teams to put teams over the edge. And pe- teams like the Dodgers, the Rays, the White Sox, um, they're going to pay money for those guys. So you really get a good break or like get a good profit from getting those guys off of your team. So I, I think it's going to blow up, but I don't think it's going to be as bad as a rebuild as many people anticipate it to be. I think you said they can turn around pretty quick, but for me, Everybody's on the block except Hendricks and, and Rizzo. Yeah, I definitely agree with Rizzo. And, you know, I didn't even think about Hendricks not being on the block. But I think it's definitely a good possibility. Well, as you guys are listening to this, the news might be out already. If the Cubs tendered or non-tendered Chris Bryant Wednesday, today, the day you are listening to the episode. Today is the deadline to make a decision. So we find out today if the Cubs are going to tender or non-tender Chris Bryant. Basically, if they non-tender him, that means that he's a free agent. He's up. Anybody can grab him. If they tender him, they... So here's the thing. The deadline's tomorrow that they have to make a decision. If they decide to tender him, they don't have to agree to a deal tomorrow, but they have to agree to a deal eventually. So tomorrow isn't the deal deadline, but they have to make a decision about tender or non-tender tomorrow. And I feel like they're going to tender him... Uh, just because that way they can get something for him. He is going to be paid up north of $16 million, which is a lot of money for Chris Bryant, who has been hurt and hasn't done a lot. Uh, but if they want to get something for him, they got to pay him. And then uh, my mock trade, I will talk about later, but I do have some money involved there to make him more easily easily accessible to other teams. Do you guys feel like Chris Bryant will be tendered or non-tendered? 100%. I don't think you can let him walk. There's no logical reason to let him walk, you know? Um, you got you to gotta get something out of him. Like we said, we were too, there's so many pieces. That he's one of those pieces that can get a decent decent amount of, if it's one player, if it's money like you're talking about. Um, so I, I think they're definitely going to tender him uh, by tomorrow. 
Uh, you can't let a guy like that walk. I mean, you can't. If you're a fan base and you had the opportunity to trade him a couple years ago and bring in a decent amount for him, and then he just has a shit year and you let him walk, I mean, you have to get something for him. And I, I think they're going to tender him for sure. Yeah, Ken Rosenthal was talking about tonight because they were talking about all the tender, non-tenders, and their number one guy that everybody needs to be looking towards is Chris Bryant if the Cubs tender or non-tender him. Uh, he said that he feels as if they're going to tender him, but he said he would not be shocked and we shouldn't be shocked either if the Cubs do let him walk because of the price tag on his contract for next season. So, that leads me into my mock trade for the Chicago Cubs. It is Chris Bryant going to the Atlanta Braves. Uh, it took me a little bit of digging to find out who realistically the Cubs can get. The Nolan Arenado deal was a shot in the dark. This Chris Bryant deal I can definitely see happening. Uh, last season, when Chris Bryant was rumored to be on the block... Sorry, just got news. The Twins are try to, trying to trade Eddie Rosario. Uh, very interesting out of the Minnesota Twins. Uh, I do want to talk about that in a second, but I want to keep going with Chris Bryant. Uh, Chris Bryant to the Atlanta Braves. Uh, Chris Bryant would have definitely gotten a better haul last season. Uh, we were talking possibly three top 100 prospects and who knows, maybe a couple throw-in prospects. This deal that I have for the Cubs is still on the higher end in my opinion. I feel like they will probably get less for Chris Bryant because of that price tag. But I have Bryant and $5 million going to the Atlanta Braves for Shea Langeliers, who is a number 70 top prospect, and C.J. Alexander, who is a third baseman in double A uh, for the Atlanta Braves. He is not a top 100 prospect. So in this deal, I have them only getting one. Uh, Shea Langeliers uh, is a very solid catcher, great defense, solid bat. He's definitely got a little bit of pop. But here's where you're going to get the positives out of uh, Shea Langeliers. Uh, he's got a 70-grade arm, which is absolutely ridiculous, and that grade is out of 80. Uh, it's not like they're doing a 100-grade scale. It's out of 80. So he's near perfect on that arm with a 70-grade Uh so I could definitely see him being a good replacement for Wilson Contreras if they do go that route to shop him. Next is C.J. Alexander, who was hurt, which is exactly what the Cubs need. They need a guy that was great before he got hurt, and they're going to get a steal for him. C.J. Alexander was a great player in single A. Uh, he had sh shoulder surgery. Uh, he has great strike zone recognition. Uh, he has been compared to the strike zone recognition of Yohan Moncada, who we all know has got, got a great eye for the strike zone. Uh, pitch recognition, he can read a, a, any pitch out of any pitcher's hand, which is absolutely amazing for a prospect to have. Because you know what? That's something that you can't learn. Uh, you're born with that talent of being able to uh, recognize pitches. Another guy who has solid pop in his bat and a good left-handed swing. And a, we don't see a lot of left-handed third basemen uh, who could uh, definitely put a good bat in the middle of the lineup. So I think that would be a good pickup for the Cubs. So how do you guys feel about maybe not this deal for the Cubs, but the possibility of Bryant even getting a top 100 prospect? Well, that's interesting. It's kind of crazy, too, to think like that you won't even get a top 100 prospect for Chris Bryant, you know? Um, but it's just the reality. 
Um, and I think there's definitely good options for the Cubs to find out there. They just have to make sure they get the right one. Because I think that they could get something decent out of him still. The, the trade that you brought up is why you need to tender him. You can't let him walk. You need to get some sort of an asset in return, whether that's one top 100 prospect or even somebody who's on the cusp of being a top 100 prospect. You, you need to get something in return for him, and I think the Cubs would – would jump on this trade in a heartbeat if it, if it crossed their, their desk. Yes, definitely. Uh, Chris Bryant's going to be a hot topic. Uh, so, going on from uh, the Cubs, we're going back to the south side. Eddie Rosario has been put on outright waivers, which means that the Twins are going to non-tender him tomorrow, making him a free agent. That is huge news coming out of Minnesota. They do have top prospects at the positions that Eddie Rosario has played, so they're looking towards the future here. They don't want to spend the money on Rosario. Eddie Rosario is a good piece to be looking at for teams that don't want to spend a lot of money on a guy like DJ LeMahieu or spend big money in the outfield on Ozuna. Uh, so Rosario is a big, interesting piece to look for in this offseason. And a lefty bet that honestly has killed the White Sox. So I'm happy to see that he will be leaving the Minnesota Twins so, who knows? The, the the division is up for the taking next year because it looks like the Twins might be looking towards a year or two in the future, especially after losing Trevor May today. It's like, that's just... Because you feel like their stint hasn't been that long and it just blows your mind. Like, I feel like they're... But the fact that they're already kind of flipping over almost in a sense and it just blows my mind. Absolutely. Yeah, Definitely. I mean, that's a good thing to talk about. Is like, do you guys think? I mean, what are the Twins doing right now? I mean, they were in they've been in contention in the AL Central for the past three, four years now. It seems like they're almost throwing in the towel. I mean, like, how do, how do you guys feel? What are what are the Twins doing? Yeah, uh, I don't. I wouldn't. Ah, shit. I don't know. I wouldn't say they're throwing in the towel. I know some of these moves are making it. Well, fuck. Uh, they might lose Nelson Cruz, too. And Nelson Cruz, Eddie Rosario, Trevor May, those were three big players with their team. They they might be kicking for the future here because they've got some very good prospects that are going to be MLB ready this upcoming season. So maybe they're just telling them, hey, if we make it to the playoffs, great. If not, we'll use it as a good learning year. And in two seasons, three seasons, we'll be right back to where we were. Uh, so it's it, this is definitely an interesting move by the Twins. I personally did not think that they were going to non-tender Eddie Rosario. Uh, and if they do end up tendering, Ken, Ken Rosenthal said that they're just going to trade him. So it's, it's just like another Chris Bryant deal with the uh, Minnesota Twins. So Eddie Rosario looks like he will be done with the Minnesota Twins. PT, how do you feel about uh, what the Twinkies are doing? It's interesting, you know, I guess, like, like I just said, man, like, like I, I, well, what do you think, like, I got another good question, too, like, when you look at a good team, look at the Cubs, so, how long is, like, like what is, like, the average longevity of a good baseball team? So, then you look at the Patriots in the NFL, they, I mean, they're, I mean, you look at the Blackhawks, they're considered a dynasty, like, how long are these baseball dynasties lasting now, you know, like, yeah. so, it's very interesting to look at, and I think that it's a very, like, I don't even know. I couldn't even tell you how. Because I really can't even think of a team that's dominated like a Chicago Blackhawks or a New England Patriots. Yeah, definitely. 
well, we had the Giants this year, or this decade, I should say. They were definitely the team of the decade. Uh, the Yankees, besides that 2010 or 2011 season, I can't remember, where they had a losing record, they, they've they been all up in the playoffs and for the past, gosh, 20, 30 years. So, but those, when you think about it, those are big market teams. The middle market teams like the Twins or... I know the Cubs could be considered a big market team, but how can you consider them a big market team when they haven't won a World Series in 108 years? So it, it, these the the baseball dynasties sometimes they're a flash in the pan, and sometimes you know what they're just being a big market team just helps them out a ton. Yeah, I mean, it, you look at those big market teams. You look at the Red Sox. You look at the Yankees. You look at the Dodgers. Those are teams that are always going to be in contention for the playoffs. But then you look at, you know, like the years, the, well, what year is it? When did the Royals win the World Series? 2015, I want to say. 15? Yeah. I mean, they, then it was a one and done type team for them right there. They really didn't do, they were obviously in charge of the AL, AL Central, but like they weren't a runaway team like the Yankees would be or any, any other big market team. So baseball is a very interesting dynamic to look at when it comes to championships. Obviously, you look at the Bulls in their dominant run in the 80s and 90s. You look at the Patriots ruining or like running in the NFL for that long. You look at the Chiefs now. The Chiefs are going to be a pretty pretty damn good team going forward. They have a really good shot of repeating in a, in a Super Bowl title. Um, hockey is hockey is becoming a tough sport to become a dynasty in this with especially with the cap and how money works in the NHL. But baseball is really really interesting to watch because like. You have teams that are always in contention for playoffs, but you almost never have a for sure, like, World Series champion lock. Like, you look at the Chiefs, man, like, everybody's like, the Chiefs have a very, very good shot of winning the 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 Super Bowl trophy. But, like, you can't really do that for baseball. It's an interesting dynamic to compare different sports like that. Definitely. It is definitely difficult to... I mean, we're seeing it with the Bears, too. We thought we had a, a fucking dynasty with the Bears in... 2018 was our only good year, and now we're back on the shitter. So, it's not looking good. Not looking good. Enough negativity. Enough of it. So, of course, Chicago baseball. Cubs are going one direction. Sox are going another. This offseason is going to be crucial for both teams for their future. So, both both have uh, positive vibes for the future. This offseason is going to be really big. And especially with the news with Eddie Rosario, I, I don't know. I'm seeing rumors that the Cubs or the White Sox might be looking at him uh, because he might be on the cheaper end. Uh, but that's enough with baseball. We talked a lot with it. Pat, take it away. Yeah, so let's dive into a little bit of hockey right now. Uh, hockey is pretty quiet right now, which is not really that good of a, th- a thing to hear. We'll get into that in a second. To kind of start off with the Blackhawks, uh, Brent Seabrook released an article that he's ready to get back on the ice. He's ready to prove people wrong after an injury-prone last season. I've been the person, it's, I'll, I'll, I'll own up to my words, I've been the person that Zeebs has got to go. His time is done. But reading this article and seeing that he's ready to get back on the ice really was a bit, It was good to see. It's good to see he's in a good mental spot. So I, I'm excited to see him hit back the ice coming up. Uh, next, Adidas is obviously in charge of the uh, NHL jerseys after they took over from Reebok um, in our uh, 
our last episode, we talked a lot about what jerseys we liked. Uh, if you go, if you guys go hit up our Twitter page, you can see us talking about some of the, the jerseys we like from the retro, reverse retro alternate jerseys. The Blackhawks, uh, Adidas killed it in general. I've, I wasn't, I'm not, I've never been too big of a fan of the Adidas jerseys, but they did a really good job with the reverse retros for the NHL, along a third alternate jersey this year. Um, the Hawks, uh, it's it's not what we wanted. A lot of Hawks fans wanted the all black jerseys from like the 2008 2009 team um we're paying homage to i think the 1940s blackhawks so it was, it was a good look i like it a lot i mean who doesn't like a nice clean jersey so it's kind of giving me like thursday night football car rush type vibes so i'm excited to see those when they hit the ice um as of right now there has been no news in the nhl forefront as to what is going to happen with the season obviously the nba has done a phenomenal job of picking back up as soon as they possibly can dropping 10 games off the schedule to be able to push to get their schedule back on track for a normal NBA season. In Which the future. is absolutely huge. It's, it's a very hard task to do. And the NFL or the NBA player association and Adam Silver have done a phenomenal job. Sadly, that's, we can't say that for the NHL. It's been very quiet lately. Um, as of right now, from articles I've seen and people on Twitter, the NHL is still aiming for an early January start. Me personally, with some COVID numbers that are kind of rising in the NHL, that's kind of gone under the under the radar because it is the offseason. I don't see the early January time being a start going. Uh, I'm 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 ex- I'm expecting more of a February type start right now. I can't see them playing in uh, in uh, in early January, especially because you need these guys to get on the ice. You need to have training camp. Training camp is a huge aspect of the NHL, so I don't see an early January start happening. Um, and before I open up to you guys, Kirby Doc playing with Team Canada. The juniors are coming up pretty soon. If you guys have seen the highlights, check out our Twitter page. We've been talking about it over there. Kirby Doc looks phenomenal with this Canadian juniors team. Like, he is doing some crazy stuff, whether it is he's, – he's, you can tell this kid's learning a lot from guys like Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze. He's picking up a lot of their, like, simple moves. And he's adding his own twist on. You see him doing spinoramas in, the, in, the, in a Canadian uh, juniors jersey. So – I mean, we've go, we've gone over Doc, Brett Seabrook, the jerseys, the NHL restart. How are you guys feeling about all these topics? Yeah, Seabs, uh, I'm ready to see him prove us wrong. Uh, I, I always want people to prove us wrong. Always. I always want it to be a good, happy ending. Uh, going to the jerseys, I agree with you, Pat. I would have liked to have seen the all-black. But these jerseys are nice. I definitely like them. Uh, the timetable for hockey... I'm starting to get that itch for hockey, like, really bad. I usually, well, of course, usually we have hockey by now, but that itch is getting really bad, and my itch is growing for the NBA, too. And to be honest with you, these last couple of seasons, I could have gave a flying F about the NBA, and now all I want to do is watch basketball. Uh, I think also the Bears have a have a play in that where I'm done watching football. I'm ready to watch other sports. Kirby Doc, I, I I don't think I've been excited for a Chicago athlete since I mean I know it hasn't been too long, but probably Yohan Moncada three years ago. Uh, Kirby Doc, I'm just so excited to see how he develops this upcoming season. I, I'm excited for the Blackhawks. Uh, obviously, little bit of negative stuff is still kind of up in the air about the Blackhawks, but I'm just ready to watch Blackhawks hockey. Uh, it's it's the most electric thing to be in Chicago. When the Hawks were winning, those were the best times. And I just want the Madhouse on Madison. I know the beginning of the season, we probably won't have any fans. 
But I'm just ready to put on the Hawks game. See the Madhouse on Madison absolutely rocking. percent um you know it's, it's kind of crazy too when you when you talk about how the nba is going to start up in now less than a month um and we're still kind of learning hockey but you know it's it is what it is and pat talked about how important training camp is for basketball you can it's not as important um you look at brent seabrook man uh yeah we all want to prove us wrong but when we watch him play it's like shit man he's shit he's so slow and i don't i just don't see how he can how you can just how you can get faster, especially after an injury. Um, but you know, like like Mahoney said, I guess you can prove us wrong. But I promise you, those first couple of games he plays, oh, someone's gonna be bitching out of the three of us. At him. Um, yeah, and Adidas they killed those jerseys. Uh, like Pat said, those those color rush jerseys in the NFL kind of got us excited for one game of the year. Um, they'll be they'll be kind of showcased off. And I said the black, and I was talking to the boys about this. I, I think I think the Blackhawks was one of the top ones that they did. Um, yeah, it's not what everyone wanted. They, everyone wanted the blacks, but uh, completely black. But, you know, I, I I still think they did a really good job. Um, and then also Kirby Doc, you know, this kid is elite. He's he's going to be, you know, and I've heard talks of possibly he might become the captain after Jonathan Taser leaves that spot. Um, so I'm just excited, boys. I, I love me some Blackhawks hockey. None of you guys can see it at home, but the two boys can. I got Patrick Kane up on my wall behind me. Um, I, I love my Blackhawks. I love my Blackhawks. Yeah, I mean, when when the era of Kane and Taze and Keith and Zeebs are done in Chicago, Kirby Doc will be wearing a C across his chest. No question about it. To wrap up Blackhawks hockey, uh, we now have the first ever female coach in the Blackhawks organization, Kendall Coyne. Uh, Southside person. She's not too far away from Nine neighborhood back in Chicago. She's an absolute badass. Won a gold medal with the USA women's national team. Uh, she'll be working as a player developmental coach. So you probably see her working a lot with the Rockford Ice Hogs, but breaking that barrier, absolute badass. She performed, or, uh, she competed in the uh, All-Star Game uh, last year, I believe, and she's had a lot of ties with the Blackhawks organization as well. I believe she worked with the Sharks, San Jose Sharks as well, too. So I'm super stoked to see her coming into the organization. She definitely deserves it. She's definitely a hometown favorite when it comes to Chicago Blackhawks. So let's kind of dive into the Bulls. So the NBA is in a, is in a unique spot right now. Training camps will be starting up pretty soon. Two weeks, right? I think it's two weeks. I believe so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know. And, I know. Practice games start in two weeks. Yeah. So I think training, like actual, like the training camp starts. I think late this week or early next week, and then I think you're right. Uh, scrimmage games are going to start be starting up in two weeks. And honestly, this this offseason is very quiet. Um, so the one big piece is Chris Paul is going to Phoenix um, to join Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton, which is going to be a huge asset for them. Obviously, they popped off in the bubble. They didn't make the, the final go for the uh, playoffs, but they, they were the best team in the bubble when they were there. Um, so with the trade talk, let's kind of piggy off, piggyback off that. James Harden and Russell Westbrook still want out of Houston, but they are still wearing a Houston jersey. Um, obviously they have a huge price tag on them. Russell, he had some talks about him going to Charlotte. I think that fell through. James Harden still wants to go play in Brooklyn. And as we were talking about it last week in the lost episode, you can, you can say you want to play for any team you want to, but at the end of the day, it's a business. And if they find a good deal outside of Brooklyn, they're going to send you there. So I don't know how well James Kyrie and Durant will be able to play. 
Um, I think Durant will be able to fit in well with both of them. You saw Durant fit in well with Clay and Steph in Golden State. Durant's not a guy that needs the ball in his hand to be dominant, where Kyrie and James kind of do have that mantra. So it'll be interesting when that plays out. But as of right now, with the season just under a month away, um, they're still on a team that they don't want to play for. So it's not a good look for a if you're a Rockets fan right now. Uh, John Wall was also on the trade block as well. Um, that appeared to be after about a week and a half. It was a, a long, silent period on this on this topic. John Wall apparently came out and said that that was not true. He never requested a trade. Um, so he will be staying in a Wizards uniform going forward. Lastly, the Lakers pushed for Dennis Schroeder. Um, and if that happens, that means Derrick Rose will probably not be going to the Lakers, which does suck. And then lastly, before I open up to you guys, before we start getting some trade talk or into some draft talk, Clay Thompson, the fear was pretty high that it was something bad. They did announce that he does have a torn Achilles. This announcement came that he had a serious injury the day, like hours before the draft, and that a couple days after the draft they announced he will be out for the year with a torn Achilles. It sucks to see. Everybody loves Clay Thompson. He's an absolute baller. And he just came off a torn ACL, rehabbing it. He was ready to go for this season, was playing to pick up ball, and uh, he tore his Achilles. It's a tough scene. So what do you guys got on the injuries and the trade talk in the NBA? So starting off with the Chris Paul trade, uh, I'm excited to see what he does in Phoenix with Devin Booker. I think they'll be a good mix. Uh, James and Russ wanting out of Houston. Pat, you said it correctly. They're still wearing a Houston uniform. Houston controls their fate. So if Houston doesn't want them to leave, then... Shit, they're going to be wearing a Houston uniform next year, and Houston's going to be making a run for it again. Uh, Lakers pushing for Dennis Schroeder. I like it uh, for the main fact that Derrick Rose, you need to come back to the Bulls, uh, make that happen. Uh, I would love to see it. I think that's what the Bulls need right now. Derrick Rose is our savior. That would be fantastic. Clay Thompson, and I think that this had a lot to do with draft day as well. Uh, if Clay Thompson, if the news didn't come out, uh, if they would have found out the next day Clay would have that Clay hurt himself the day before, one, I think they would have been mad at Clay for not telling them. But two, we could have a whole different scenario going on in Golden State. Because I felt like there was definitely a very real possibility that they were going to trade that pick. Uh, but they used that pick to help fill that need, obviously. So I think it was a good move by Golden State to keep that draft pick, especially after the news of Clay Thompson being hurt. And unfortunately, Clay's hurt again and out for the season, it looks like. So, sad news. Uh, Clay Thompson is electric, and we love watching him play. So, tough news for Golden State. Yeah, 100%. Um, I'm going to touch on the uh, James Harden and Russ thing real quick. Um, yes, Houston kind of, their fate lays in Houston's hands. But then again, this is not just one player that wants out. There's two. Two powerhouses, yeah. If you have two people on the court that don't want to play for your team, it almost gets to a point where we have to trade them and we have to kind of give what we want from them. So it it will be interesting. It will be interesting to see what they do. Um, I think that they will eventually get traded. I don't know what for and where. uh, But I just don't think you can can sit here and have another season go by um, with two people that, one, are kind of toxic in the locker room, and two, that don't want to be there, which is just going to add to the toxicity even more. So it's something interesting to keep an eye on. I think Clayton Thompson, we're not going to see the Splash Brothers again this year. Man, that's sad. It sucks. Um, I never want to see anybody at the level going after that area. It's a very painful injury. 
especially coming off an ACL injury. Uh, It's just tough luck, man. I think he's going to come back even better, uh, and we just kind of wish the best and speedy recovery to him. Yeah, it's 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 hard as as athletes. It's it's hard to see or hear those those injuries happen to a guy like Clay Thompson. Let's get into the draft night, Brandon. You kind of peeked into it already, so it's a good it's a good talking point. We'll get into it. So draft night was a couple weeks ago. The Bulls had the fourth pick. Um, Minnesota picked number one. They picked a shooting guard, Anthony Edwards, out of Georgia. Uh, Golden State was number two. And there were a lot of trade talks about them getting rid of this pick. A lot of with the Bulls was one of the big picks as well. Uh, the, the Bulls are going to set on their fourth pick and Wendell Carter to Golden State in return for their second pick. And I think that trade would have went through if the new, if Clay didn't get hurt. Um, and once that news broke, everybody knew that they were going to hold on to this pick and get the guy that they need to put on the court that would be able to help Steph out as much as he can. James Wiseman, the center from Memphis, who played three games in a Memphis jersey before being suspended for the season, went number two. Absolute beast. I would have loved to have seen him in a Bulls jersey. But at the end, of the, and it's a business. Golden State did the right move by not letting go of that pick. So I understand that. Well, my little ball went to Charlotte. Michael Jordan has now drafted a ball son. And it will be funny to see if Michael and LeVar end up doing their one-on-one because LeVar said he will beat them. Uh, so... I think Lamelo is going to be a pretty big, a pretty big asset for them. I think he's got a lot of potential in this league. Um, he definitely has the steel to be very well or do very well, especially under a guy like Michael Jordan. Michael's definitely going to, be able to teach him a couple of things here and there. Lastly, uh, number four, Chicago Bulls are on the block. Didn't know where they were going to go. They picked Patrick Williams, a small forward from Florida State, who was originally projected around the tenth or eleventh pick in the draft. They picked him number four. Patrick Williams was a, like I said, a small forward from Florida State who did not start for that team. However, the coach for Florida State was very known to doing a platoon-type swap where you're five in, five out. So he easily could have been a starting person from what I'm from what I'm hearing. Um, pretty sure Calipari in Kentucky is pretty or was well known in those teams in the early in you know late 2000s, early 2010s. Uh, for doing a platoon swap type thing, five in, five out. So we've had about two weeks to kind of, you know, soak in what Patrick Williams is, how he's going to impact this team. At first I was stoked about him. Then like reality hit that, holy shit, we just drafted a guy who didn't even start for a power five school. Now I'm kind of back like, listen, was he probably had too much of a higher pick? Yes, but... I think he's still going to pay off. I, I think he's going to pay off. I he's A lot of people are comparing him to Jimmy and Kwai and the build that he has and the defensive uh, fortitude he has. So, I mean, how are you guys feeling about this? All right, so here's why I like the pick, and I like it with our front office too because they went after the guy that they wanted. They could have taken the guaranteed for whatever, whoever was projected there, but they wanted the guy sitting at 10 and 11. They wanted... Patrick Williams, and they got him. So I like that. I like that they're going and getting the guys that they want. Also, uh, with the platoon format, uh, five in, five out, another guy, and we've already talked about him in this podcast, actually, that was a part of a five in, five out in college was Devin Booker. So Devin Booker has been a great player so far in his career. I'm not saying Patrick Williams is going to be anything close to how good uh, Devin Booker is, but an interesting thing, don't read too far into the 5-in, five 5-out five 
Don't get too worried about it. He did win six man of the year in his conference as well. Uh, so that does mean that he was definitely a good player in that five-in, five-out format. I- I'm looking forward to Patrick Williams. I mean, I've been reading up on it. He's definitely a good kid, works hard. Uh, I think he's going to mesh in really well with the Bulls. Uh, I- I'm stoked for the pick. I, I was. It's funny, Pat. You were stoked for the pick originally. I was kind of step- skeptical. Skeptical. Whatever. <laughs> I was up in the air about it. And you know what? Reading more into it, hearing some smart basketball basketball minds talk about it, I'm comfortable with this pick, and I like it. I like it a lot. The kid's young, too. I think he's like 18, 19 years he's old. He's 19. He's one year out of high school. Toppin was 22. Also, I mean, especially in basketball, the, way, the age difference – 18 to 22 is a huge difference in draft picks for college basketball. That's why you see so many one and duns when it comes to college basketball. Another bit I want to throw into about Petrolinos. PT, go ahead. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Mahoney, be careful when you say we get who we want. Oh, I didn't even think about Mitch. Fuck. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> no, but I was the same way, Pat, you know. Uh, we drafted him. Uh, I was, like I said, I was praying that we didn't get that Euro kid. I don't even, I can't remember his name, Denny or whatever his name was. Echeverria or something, yeah. Him. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, and I didn't even realize that he wasn't a starter. And then I kind of, kind of saw, I saw that and I was like, oh shit, did we fuck up? And then I started to come back around and see some positive things coming to the guy. He's a great kid. Um, that never hurts to add to any organization. Um, you don't want a dickhead coming into an organization, possibly like Lamelba. But I've heard that he's matured a lot more too, so that's not a shot at him at all. Um, but you know, it, it, it's it's going to be an all on if this team comes together. We're starting to hear multiple things about uh, Markin wanting a long term deal, and that AK wants to give it to him. I'm all for it. If this team wants to play together, you know, we don't have Jim Boyle anymore. I'm happy about it. If the team's happy about it, we're gonna fucking ride. Let's go. <laughs> Yeah, uh, with the Laurie news, I want to see what he does this season first. Uh, if he could come into his own and be the power player that we thought that we were getting in him, then fuck yeah. Get him to a long-term deal, keep this team together. Because this is a young team. If they mesh well together, shit, keep them together. Fuck it. Yeah, um... That's obviously a pretty good topic right now as these play, Bulls players are starting to report to the Advocate Center of their training camp. Uh, Zach Levine's ready to attack the season. Lori Markin wants to stay a little bit longer. I have every bit of trust in, in AK as man in the helm going forward. We don't have, you know, guard packs are gone. Don't have Boylan. Can't get any worse. So That is know. true. So, PC, you're talking about Denny. The, the international player from Israel that was projected to go to the, the Bulls at number four. Uh, listening to some podcasts, reading some articles, AK has an extremely good amount of knowledge of international players. Um, whether that's scouting or just people he knows around the league, he's very, like, that's his... Specialty. That's his, Yes, that's his specialty, is, is international players. And us Bulls fans were scarred in the past of international players. Nico Miritich... Complete bust. Fuck. Lori <laughs> um, Markinen, we don't really know yet about him. So, with AK not drafting Denny 
and not trade. There was another international player too as well on the block that was a top ten, top fifteen player. That makes me feel good that then that AK found something in him. And it's like we can't get him. He's so he's a mastermind when it comes to international players. So uh, I was I was definitely okay with not getting Denny. And I, I, I'm just ready for Bulls basketball, man. It's it's a new it's a new chapter in the book. It's a, I don't even like, I'll say this too. We're not going to be a good team. We're, it's going to take a couple years, but the future is bright, and that's what makes me look forward to this team, unlike the Bears. <laughs> but um, so I, I'm excited for Bulls basketball, man. I have that itch for Bulls basketball. I can't wait to sit down and watch a game, even if there are there aren't any fans. Only 20 um, more days. Countdown is on. I, I'm stoked to kind of wrap things up. Uh, the Toronto Raptors will be playing their NBA season in Tampa Bay. The Tampa Bay Raptors. Obviously, we have the travel ban. The borders are closed between the United States and Canada. That's I think, is a pretty big aspect as to why the NHL still hasn't gotten any word on when their season will start because they're trying to navigate around that. But um, I know the Raptors were talking about going to Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes is very vocal about that. But it looks like the Raptors will be playing their season in Tampa Bay, which will be fun to see. Um, next is... Uh, Denzel Valentine has officially re-signed as a Chicago Bull. Am I happy about that? No, I'm not. Um, as a dude who's not going to see any playing time, if anything, he's going to probably take time away from Patrick Williams. Um, so I'm not too happy about that. I don't know about you boys. Yeah, I'm not but, either. Yeah, he, he had his time. He was a summer league, a summer league baller, and that, that was really it. Yeah. Um, to wrap things up, I want to bring some positivity to this podcast. It's been a pretty negative area. Uh, Daniel Greenberg, a very popular Chicago beat writer, sports beat writer, um, has come out and tweeted about Derrick Rose. So Derrick Rose does have an autobiography. It's called I'll Show You. Um, I read that. I actually finished it up earlier this year in, like, August. Um, it's a phenomenal read. If you're a diehard Chicago Bulls fan, if you love Derrick Rose, like every Chicagoan does, give the book a read. It's a great read, talking about his time growing up, going to Simeon, playing for the Bulls, going through his injuries, everything like that. Derek has officially released a part two to that book uh, most recently. And Daniel Greenberg tweeted a quote about Derek's time in Chicago, and I want to read this to you guys because it brought a smile to my face. So this is a direct quote from Derek Rose. Every game I play back in Chicago, I remember because it's love. Even when they talk shit about me, I know it's only basketball. The MVP chants were amazing. I always appreciate the love because Chicago made me the man I am right now. It's home. I hope to God Derek Rose finds his way back into Chicago Bulls. Come home, Derek. Come home. Even if he doesn't, he's got to retire a bowl at least. I know they had a lot of they had so much potential in those teams with early Thibodeau, early Jimmy, Joaquin, Boozer, Taj, Lulal Dank. God, those were the days. Holy shit. Those were the days, man. So Derek Rose, one end the Bulls topic on a little bit of a positive note because I do miss Derek desperately. Uh, all right, so let's go into college football really quick. Uh, college football has been a little bit quiet lately. We're in those kind of those games that really don't mean too much. You know, not really conference games. It's it's a low, it's a low spot in college football. We'll, we'll dive into it really quickly. Notre Dame, I texted Brandon. I thought it was a fucking trap game from the beginning, and North Carolina looked very good in that game. Uh, Notre Dame holds on to beat North Carolina. Uh, Ohio State versus Illinois was postponed because of COVID. Ohio State, I'm probably sure, was terrified to go down and play yeah. with the Oh, yeah. That's, that's what the whole thing is, is that they were scared to play, and then, yeah, it's bad. It's, they look really soft right now. Yeah, they do, but I, 
have a feeling that Justin Fields would have made an absolute mockery of Illinois. Yeah, it would have been bad. For me, I, my Oregon Ducks lost an absolute heartbreaker against Oregon State in the last second on a, on a goal line push. That was a tough one to watch. Uh, Alabama handles Auburn in the, in the Iron Bowl. That was a great fucking game to watch. That Alabama's flying underneath the radar. That quarterback, I'm blanking on his name right now. You don't hear his name a lot. Mac Jones. Mac, Mac Jones. He, he could be another one of the Bears drafts. I, I'm not lying. He, he's he's a pro-style quarterback, and it's just something for the Bear fans to keep an eye on. But what scares me is that he's underneath the radar. He doesn't get a lot of attention. Granted, you have Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields that are getting a lot of the spotlight. Um, that's what scares me about him. But he looked phenomenal. Their running back popped off as well. Auburn just isn't – Bo Nix isn't really looking too hot this year for Auburn. Um, Michigan – they, they lose another one. They, they got smacked by Penn State. Uh, how Harbaugh still has a fucking job, I have no idea. It's It's got to be coming to – COVID's going to be the reason his, he's saved. But if you're, like, a Michigan – like, diehard Michigan fan, like Dave Pornoy or Nick Merckx, dude, it's horrible to be a Michigan fan right now. Like, it could be – we bitch about the Bears, man, but it could be worse. Like, it could be worse. For sure. Lastly, uh, just because I absolutely love this time of the college football year – Army Navy, the game's coming up pretty soon. I'm pretty sure this game will be played at West Point. It's the first time they're actually playing it at a one of the campuses in a long time. Usually, it's played at a neutral stadium. the 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 uniform war between Army and Navy is always one that I, I love looking out for. Army dropped their uniforms uh, two days ago, and they usually like to commemorate a certain. Uh, group of the Army. So this year they went with the 25th Infantry Division, the Tropic Lightning Unis from the Korean War. And, dude, these these uniforms are fucking tough. Dude, like, they've been killing it. Whether the, the all-black jerseys they had a couple years ago, the 10th Mountain Division, the all-white ones from a couple years ago that were it snowed in that game too, it looks sick. And Navy just released theirs as well today. I don't think they look good at all. I think Navy really dropped the ball on this one. Um... That game's coming up in two weeks, and so I just love to talk about that because I think the Army absolutely killed this year's uniforms. You guys got anything on college football? Yeah, I want to touch on the Fighting Irish real quick. Pat, you talked to me and you said you were worried about the defense. I am also little skeptical because it was it was rough against 19 North Carolina. I mean, the defense looked shaky. Uh, Ian Book. Uh, 280, one touchdown. Uh, I don't know. That worries me a little bit. But my guy, Williams, in the backfield, absolutely crushed it this week. Uh, fuck. That, this weekend made me a little worried. This weekend definitely made me a little worried. So we'll see on the future. Like Pat said, these games are kind of towards the end of the year, kind of throwing games. But fuck, Notre Dame made that game look close. So I'm worried. I'm I'm not too worried, but I'm worried. I, I'm I'm getting there. I'm with you, Pat. Though I've always kind of been been a big follower of like the Navy Army game, all the uniforms that come out with. Um, I agree. I think Army always kills every year with changing it up with the the different um, ranks or whatever whatever that specifically is called. Um, but yes, I agree. Navy dropped the ball this year, and they, it they're basic. It looks bad. To it. it doesn't look good. Well, I'm gonna tell you exactly why it is. And the shoulders. Is it the shoulders? Well, it's the shoulders, but it's 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 because it's Under Armour. I'm sorry, but oh, un- what has okay. Under Armour done? I mean, says the guy wearing an Under Armour sweatshirt. 
this. I got this sweatshirt for twelve dollars. If that helps you out, I got this sweatshirt for twelve dollars. No, like it's Nike. Nike is all. I mean, did you the or the, your Oregon Ducks? Those jerseys were insane. Like, and I, and I promise you, they those were worn on purpose. That fog was ridiculous. And they're like, all right, what's our brightest color? Neon. Yeah. Let's just dress our players in complete neon so we can see each other. That was a horrible game to watch if you were a fan. You guys couldn't see shit until the fourth quarter. Uh, but no, no, I think Army Native games, those games are in. If you're not a college football fan and you want to watch some football, watch that because those games are crazy. It's it's just beating the shit out of each other. Yeah, and that's like triple option. That's like beer-type football. That's like grounded pound type football. It's, it's fun to watch, man. It's definitely a blast. So let's close it out, our last segment of the podcast, and I know PT is fucking ready to talk about this. We're going to talk some college basketball. First week of college basketball has been a come and gone, and we're looking at some new rankings. So right now, Gonzaga is still sitting at number one. If, I, if I'm – correct me if I'm wrong, they still haven't even played a game yet. Um, I don't think they have. I think their first game is coming up against West Virginia. I think it's tomorrow night, actually. Probably tomorrow, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, number two is Baylor, number three is Iowa, number four is Wisconsin, and number five is PT's Fighting Illini. You have three Big Ten teams in the top five. And, dude, like, do you realize how fucking stacked the Big Ten is? Big Ten Iowa, Iowa, Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan, Michigan State. I mean, dude, it's a fucking dogfight. Like, these guys, they're going to run the tournament. It's, it's so fucking cool to see. And I, I mean, I, I mean, PT. I'll go into it right now. You got Baylor and Duke coming up. You have Baylor this week, Duke the next week. You've played. I'll say this too, and I'm gonna piss off a lot of people. You played some cupcakes this week, um, in some of the games you guys have played. How, how are, how are you feeling about Illinois right now? How are you feeling about the Big Ten? How are you feeling about these big games coming up? It's Baylor and Duke. No, one hundred percent. I think the Big Ten. Like, I, I think I said something about Brad Underwood um, a couple weeks ago. He said this is good, this is the best the Big Ten's ever looked entirely. Um, it's it's unreal that you have. I think it's possibly five teams in the top ten. That that's like it's it's going to be an electric year. Um, yes, we played cupcakes. We played Chicago State. Um, we've we've played. Uh, who was our first game? I can't. Remember. North Carolina A and T. Yeah. So yeah, two cupcakes. And we turn around and play Ohio, and they're a good team. They're solid. They have this kid that's taking on the world by storm. He's all over Twitter. He's blowing up. He's going viral. He's a really good basketball player. There's talks about how he he should consider uh, grad transferring to Illinois next year just because. Um, but, you know, Illinois is not going to win every game by 30, so everyone needs to relax. Uh, but overall, I think that they looked really good. Um Kofi struggled a little bit in that Ohio game. I think he was getting a little tired. Uh, but Io was Io. He's he's looking to be the player of the year. Um, he, you got Adam Miller. That's he's one and done. He's gone next year. Um, so that means you could possibly have three um, first rounders off Illinois next year to keep an eye on. So um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Baylor tomorrow night, nine o'clock. Um, it's going to be a late one. It's going to be our first test. Are we legit? Or are we not? You know. Um, sack up Brad Underwood lost 40 pounds this offseason to kind of get this whole thing rolling so ILL baby yeah I mean that's a good thing to talk about too is like the Illini they're known for for Io and Kofi but you have some really young freshmen that are taking they're taking advantage of their playing time and they're looking very good Adam Miller I'm pretty sure is he a freshman am I right 
Correct, yeah, Adam Miller, and then you got Andre Cabello, too. That's going to be a right. backup when Trent Frazier needs a break, too. That kid that kid can run the floor, and he can pass it like there's nothing else, man. And that's what you need for a tournament team is you you, you have your two, what, two to three, one to two stars, Kofi and Ao, and, and you need those other players to step up big time, and you guys have those freshmen that are playing very well against some, some easier-type teams. It'll be very interesting to see how those freshmen respond in two big games coming up against uh, Baylor and Duke. But overall, uh, what do you, how do you I – mean, college basketball is back, boys. It's a great time of the year when college basketball It's is the back. best. I personally, uh, my eyes, my, my Redbirds got absolutely smacked by Ohio State opening day. Um, that was tough to watch. My Xavier Musketeers, though, those are my guys. They're looking very good to start out the year. Just being able to sit down on like a Tuesday night and just watch college basketball, man, it feels so good to be back. Granted, there's no fan. It's definitely weird having no fans in the stadium because college basketball is like you're going into like a tough road team. Like if you're going into Villanova, you're going into Duke, you're going into Kentucky, you're going into Louisville, those are tough places to win in when they have fans. It's a lot different right now with no fans there. But how, how are you guys feeling? College basketball is back. How are you guys feeling? Uh, Notre Dame is not looking good. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Um, I mean – it's just not good. I was watching the Michigan State Notre Dame game, and it was it was not good. I mean, I know we only lost by ten, but we looked ugly. We don't have a lot of pieces this year, so yeah. But I mean, besides that, I love watching college basketball, and it's so great to have it back. Uh, I know Notre Dame's already dealing with the COVID stuff. Their game against Western Michigan got canceled. So again, COVID just throwing a wrench into everything. Yeah, I, I couldn't be more excited to have college back and especially with my alumni um, being where they're at right now this is the most depth i've ever seen on their entire team uh, but overall i think it's going to be really interesting and like i said COVID's going to be an issue um or we already saw it with football um, we're going to see how we handle it with basketball um it's it's going to be kind of an interesting so with, with football you, there's a probably a lot more contact um that there is basketball but the, you still have that close and up and personal sweat spit all that stuff so um i'm just gonna be heartbroken if something happens this season and io leaves and coffee leaves it's, it's gonna suck but you know what i'm happy that it's happening and i'm watching a couple games already i'm taking one game at a time yeah and i'm pretty sure they already have trademarked the battle of the bubble for the ncaa tournament i think that's the, the what they're going with so the fact that they're already they they weren't from last year with what with what happened with COVID, and they're already preparing for the NCAA tournament, which is very good for me because I mean, as much as we love college basketball, college basketball without the bubble or without the tournament is nothing, and it, it was hard to see, especially PT with your your Illini, they were bound to make a run in that tournament, and the fact that NCAA is taking the appropriate measures to prepare for dealing with COVID outbreaks, which is already beginning to happen on the courts, as well as preparing for the tournament once March rolls around. They're, they're, they're in a good mindset. They're honestly looking a lot better than some of the professional organizations like the NHL, for example. Um, so, I mean, at college basketball, it's it's good to be back. and It's it's good to have sports back on TV, man. Like, we were in a little bit of a lull right there. Baseball ended. It's, it was, ended. oh, yeah. NHL ended, and we were kind of like in – we had the Bears doing kind of well, and college football didn't start yet. We were at a wall where just Sundays and Thursday, Monday, Thursday, Sunday are the only days we could watch football. Now we have a bunch of sports on. Uh, golf is picking back up too a little bit, so it's it's good to have a sense of normalcy, almost feeling that's coming back. Definitely, definitely. 
absolute jam-packed episode. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. I know we enjoyed talking about everything. A lot of talking points, a lot of news, a lot of moving parts going on in Chicago. So, we will catch you guys in the next episode. Make sure to check us on Twitter and Facebook. And as always, listen to us on whatever you get your podcast needs, whether it be Spotify, podcast, or anything else. Thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you in the next one. See ya. Peace. Peace out. Looking, finds Rose. Rose trying to get open, fires away. Bang! It's over! The Bulls win at the buzzer! Oh, baby, Chris Bryant! Hester, under it, and to the middle with the 15, to the 20, breaks free, the 25, to the 30, to the